0: Coming to you from the Windy City, welcome to Let's Talk Shop, a podcast about all things cloud and enterprise tech. Listen to insights and guest interviews with IT thought leaders and professionals. Now, here's your host, Elias Kaneser.
1: Tim, what do you think we're going to hear this week? I mean, are we going to hear anything outside of... AI and maybe custom silicon? Is it all going to be AI and custom silicon this week?
0: You know, it does seem like anymore, the conversation, especially as we've gone through 2023, it is about AI. And it's specifically about generative AI, right? Um, You know, Amazon has a lot to tell in their storytelling there, uh, a lot of opportunity. I think you mentioned custom silicon. I think there's also a lot of opportunity there that hasn't bubbled up to the surface um, that they're doing, that Amazon's doing, but others are doing as well. And how enterprises really need to think about the combination of silicon, custom silicon, specifically around generative AI. And I think when you bring those two together and you start talking about how you can deploy models all the way to the edge, things get really interesting really fast. We're not there yet. We're having a lot of conversations around generative AI in the cloud, which is great, and that will continue. But when you start to talk about the continuum yeah. and the opportunities that come from the continuum, I think that's really where things get interesting. But do you think – you talk to a lot of CIOs. Do you think do. customers are going to care? Like it's, it's an interesting
1: combination, right? We're talking about a very low-level infrastructure chip-level stuff. And then we're talking about generative AI where on, in a prompt, I can basically say, hey, you know, deploy X, Y, and Z. Like We're going from complete abstraction yeah. down to,
0: hey, my, my chip is faster than your chip. type Yeah. Chip. No, I, I love the question. And the short answer is they don't care. That When you're talking about silicon for silicon's sake and, and you're talking about just silicon, you're right. A CIO doesn't care. They don't care. I mean, whether it's, You know, Amazon and their custom silicon or any of the other vendors, you know, silicon providers as well as other cloud providers that are doing their own silicon. It doesn't matter. They don't care. Today, I think that will change as we start talking about the outcomes that that custom silicon is ultimately driving. Mm. And we haven't connected those dots yet in the broader conversation. That's not an Amazon-specific comment, but across the industry we have not connected the dots between what is what is it that we're really kind of gutting for in terms of those business outcomes and how can custom silicon really achieve or help us realize those custom those uh, business outcomes We haven't connected those dots yet. I think generative AI and, and the broader AI present an interesting opportunity to help connect those dots. When that happens, yes, now I am interested in custom silicon. But it's because I'm focused on the outcomes, not focused on one silicon product versus another and which is flashier this week or next week. Um, We get away from those kind of feature functionality conversations. There will be some that will be interested in that, especially the builders. But when you get more toward the operators and you get more toward the end users, then it becomes less interesting. And that's when I think, you know, making that connection is going to be really important for
1: Uh, Sanjeev, I I want to pose the same question to you because I have a little bit of a different take on it. I feel like generative AI took the whole industry by storm in 2023. I feel like all of the cloud providers in particular haven't had time to completely evolve their message. So they were kind of starting on this custom silicon and then generative AI hit everyone
2: and they haven't really adjusted yet. Do do you agree? Do you have a different take on it? So, so there's there are two ways of looking at it from the IT perspective or from the business perspective. From the IT perspective, we spend a lot of time up on the custom silicon or what's the right uh, large language model to use and how do you deploy it, where do you deploy it. But the the messaging has to shift to the business. What does the business want? Yeah, I agree. I have to say one thing. In all my Few decades of being in this business, I have never seen business this energized ever. And about technology. About technology.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the first time where business and technology are really becoming indistinguishable. I mean, we're correct. Th- that is
2: the, everything the becoming. It's like you know, uh, we we had, we heard from the Juniper guy. We heard from you know IBM uh, sure. folks. Different stacks are all melding together. So if you talk to the business people, the number one issue for them is how do I identify what use case should I put generative eye to use? And that is actually the biggest problem because it cannot be a Mickey Mouse, uh, Gen AI use case, here, go uh, summarize all these documents for me. It has to be something far more right. uh, uh, game-changing, like find me a new cure for a disease you that's know, right. That is is where you know. Yeah, but it. that's applicable in like healthcare, and that's an yeah, amazing to try, thing to, yeah, to strive yeah.
1: for. But what about the Home Depots of the world, right? I mean, the the corporate world. How are they going to use AI in a meaningful way outside of?
0: Well, yeah, I've I've gone through a number of different industries, and I will tell you that every single industry has demonstrable and differentiating use cases where generative AI plays. A significant role and that's that's not a puff statement that's reality so when yeah. you talk about the home depots or lows of the world it's it comes back to how do we start to understand what the customer is looking for to get the right products to the customer at the right point in time how do we start to anticipate where they're going how do we start to make sure that our our supply chain and our distributors have the right products at the right time there's a lot of moving parts that come into that, whether you're looking at it from the customer experience standpoint, whether you're looking at it from the employee experience standpoint, because let's face it, none of these companies exist without employees or the business operations and supply chain. All of those benefit from generative AI. It's it's a data problem. Yeah, It's a data problem. And the problem we've had is technically not new. I, I We've been, had this data problem yeah. for a long time. We just haven't
2: had the technology to be able to truly yep. understand. So, what are the insights? It's a data problem, but actually, it's a new data problem. Uh, up to this point, we were f- so focused on structured data. Mm-hmm. That's unstructured data. Now, now, if you are financial services and you get uh, all kind of reports from your partners, uh, Goldman Sachs and hedge funds. They're all in different formats. They're in PDF. How do I reduce errors? How do I find material information quickly in that vast amount of unstructured data that does not have a format, a guaranteed consistent format? True,
0: but I'm going to counter that because that was the argument behind tools like Hadoop and Cassandra. Right, was to say, you know, we can throw yeah. things the unstructured data, yep. we can throw things into a into a data lake. Yeah. And what did we end up with? No, a data swamp. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's call it what it is. The the reality is we need to bring that structured data and that unstructured data together and gain the insights from the combination of it. And the other piece to this, we need to be able to do that in real time. We can't be yeah. doing this through some batch method like we have in the past. Those days are behind us. Yeah. So That's how the game has really changed. So I agree with you. The game has
2: changed. I don't think Hadoop really went that far in the unstructured world. It still took that structured data and somehow did named entity recognition and put it into a Parquet file, which is pretty much structured, know, Now we are actually operating at the unstructured sound, images, like Hadoop couldn't do any of that. That's right. You're absolutely right.
0: But that's my point is that, There are all kinds of data types and streams that we need to be able to bring in, and we need to be able to do that in real real time. So real
2: time is a big sticking point, though. See, this is the big problem. How do you do real time? Now, there are techniques uh, that are starting to come up and mature, like Rag, for instance. How do you do real time? Because the entire generative AI is based on large language models that take thousands of CPUs, Hundred million dollars to train, and they're trained at a certain point in time. Yes,
0: that's true. But we're also starting to see that some of the decisions and some of the insights that we're getting are not coming from those really large language models. We can actually get great insights from smaller LLMs too, right? That aren't much, even even
2: those require. But maybe that's where custom silicon comes into play.
0: Well, but, but I think there's so I yeah. think custom silicon it, it has a role to play here. Right. It's not the end all yeah, be all, of course. This, but I think you start to bring in things like RAG and vector databases, exactly. right? That yeah. become really interesting. It's not just one solution yeah. that solves the problem, I, right? It's much more complicated correct. than that. The, the point is, we're now getting some of those solutions to work together. We're getting the solutions right. and we're getting them to work together. We're now some of these really kind of high end problems that we've wanted to solve for a long time, for the first we time, we actually can. can start
2: to eat away at that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to solve everything we today. So, so what are the challenges? So if you go past the use case identification, the next problem uh, customers have that when I talk to them is, how do I use my corporate data? Because I don't want to be using... So controlling the source. Yes, yeah, controlling thing. the source and you know fine-tuning or somehow... Bringing that corporate uh, data uh, cost effectively, most importantly with accuracy, because you know, if if it's hallucinating, then what what is the point of doing the whole thing? So that AI governance becomes really big, uh, cost becomes really big. So, although we don't, uh, business may not care about custom silicon, uh, but implicitly they do because. Yeah, and and I think that.
0: That first question of how do I use my corporate data, I think that's the wrong question to start with. I think the first question has to be, what's the business problem you're doing? Yes, so, I just, agree. Yes. And eventually, eventually you get to the yeah. question of, okay, what's the role that my corporate data plays in that? Right. And how do I start to put the right technology in the right place right. to be able to achieve and solve those business problems? Right. Right. But it's it starts with the yep. business first, and then works, and then it works then its, it works its work. way into the technology. Yeah, yeah.
1: how are we going to do this in an ethical way?
0: <laughs> that's you know that's going to be hard. That's going to be very that's hard because the reality is, if you go back to history, mm-hmm. we have not been ethical. No, in the way that we have we have operated, right? And the problem is, back to your point, Sanjeev, is that they're based off of historical data. Right? These LLMs yeah. are based off of uh-huh. historical data. Right. The foundation models are represent historical mm-hmm. data. Right, We all know that we need to change. We need to change. We've learned from our past, or we hope that we have learned from our past right. in some cases. And then what is the role of governance in this too? Governance legislation. legislation. And that's going to be problematic. Legislation scares me, though. Has government ever been able to do anything right? Well, legislation. This this is a really complicated space, and so when you talk about policy development, you talk about how AI is being discussed by the different regulatory Mm -hmm. bodies. It's a really complicated space, but you're talking about folks that don't have domain experience. That's the problem. That are trying trying to these policy. I agree, right? So. How do you become ethical in the way you use data, ensure that the policy uh, makers are doing it in the right way and that the right people, the right stakeholders have a voice in that?
2: People who are writing policies are, uh, you know, it's one thing to say that they don't really understand this space, but they're also uh, attempting it from a very wrong manner. They're trying to, to legislate how. Yes. Instead of the big yes. outcomes. That's right. And that is so dangerous. And why is that? Because the lobbyists play a role. And so some of these very large uh, AI companies that will go unnamed are trying to protect their moat. That's right. And so if you do it at the how level, then you just kill competition. You kill startups.
0: Well, and then it, it starts to get complicated. You know, we're here at reInvent. It starts to get complicated for the builders Because what do they build? How do they build it? How do they ensure that there isn't data leakage into the Hive so that their confidential data and their IP isn't leaking out? But likewise, how do you ensure that you're not inappropriately bringing intellectual property from another entity into your code base? Right? And that becomes really problematic. It It becomes
1: really problematic. And so far, we've only been talked... I mean, up until now, we started touching a little bit about some of the challenges with AI, but there are other challenges. I mean, I was recently uh, reading an article about right now it takes three seconds of your voice uh, as a sample to be able to generate an entire conversation... Of things you've said that you haven't really said, scary, isn't it's it? It's very scary. Yeah. yeah. So and then take that to video, uh, take that to everything, right? So right. how do we bring? Because we're trying to use AI for the good, but it's inevitably going to be used for already, bad as well. Right. It's already being used for and various it, purposes. How so do you? How do you br- and this is, I think, legislation helps, but it's not the answer. So how do we bring the right framework?
0: To be able to at least identify, hey, I didn't say this. Is there a digital signature, a watermark? Yeah. So, how, what? What? Some? Yeah, some are trying to do digital watermarking, especially with images, as a way to um, to ensure that or have a way to validate that. Yes, Tim Crawford actually did say that, and I digitally watermarked that uh, that content. Um, that in itself is also full of holes. I mean, it's it's a it's a starting point for the conversation. I don't think it's, it's a good solution, yeah. right? I don't think we have a good solution, but these are the things we have to be thinking about. Most of the conversations I have with customers today, unfortunately, are about the upside, the potential from generative AI. It's not well-balanced today mm-hmm. around how do we ensure that we're doing the right things, but we're also thinking about how this could be misused. And I think there are... The balance is is out of whack right now in that conversation. To to a point where it can hamper AI's adoption
2: by the business.
0: It can because now you get burned and guess what? It yeah. swings the pendulum the other direction and now it starts to hamper that innovation because you have that chilling effect that comes to play. We saw this with yeah. cloud, right? This played out the same exact way yeah. with, yeah. with cloud. How, and so, how did it play out with the cloud? Well, so people started to use cloud. They started to get burned by it. The cost. It, well, not just the cost, but they started to open up holes because they used they just took assumptions yeah. that they would do in their corporate data center and then applied, applied it to clients. I agree, hundred percent. And then they got burned because people got access to it, and Security. they it started to get yeah. really expensive. And the re, the reality is. That is not how you use cloud. You have to think differently about how right. you use it. The yeah. same thing is true with AI. We did not learn so the lesson. The history repeats itself. It does. In- well, the problem is, Gen AI is a lot more dangerous than cloud. Well, <laughs> that's and, and that's the part that those of us that are in the know of how this works and then all of the other dynamics yeah. around policy and ethics and whatnot are a little concerned about this because. The horse is out of the barn. People are already using it. Yes. Oh you no, know, we have we have Chat GPT to yeah. to thank for that, which is great because it it allows people to start experimenting, and I think that's really important, Correct. right? But we also need to have a healthy balance in the conversation around making sure that we're it, thinking about the upside and the yeah. downside.
2: So I I am an eternal optimist, and I feel that. We will get there eventually. It'll be a rough ride, like in case of cloud. You know, security thing was solved. You know, a cloud data center is far more secure than a corporate. Absolutely. this is a little more complicated, but I understand where you're going. Yeah, but it'll get there. You know, we have finally figured out that just moving everything, lift and shift into the cloud is a disaster for recipe because your cost is now going to go up and because now you have to pay oh, for everything. I, for I think reason. the difference
0: when with AI as opposed to cloud is that it has the potential to have a markedly different social... we will impact, destroy the humanity right? before we... Right. Whereas cloud didn't have that, right? Cloud might impact a particular company... Yeah. But it didn't impact, I I, agree, it didn't impact cultures in the same way.
2: Yeah, The the optimist in me sometimes uh, wonder, how did we make a leap to uh, AI certainly becoming mean and starting to attack the very human beings. I, yeah. It's a dumb computer. I mean, not dumb. it's a computer.
1: No, but I mean, you could take basic examples, right? I mean, think about it from the implications on the legal system. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you can make somebody say something that they didn't actually say. How do you prove that they didn't say it? Or no matter how many times yeah. I'll say, I didn't say this. Yeah. There's a recording that says that you did, like... It becomes a it, it becomes a little yeah. more complicated. It complicates our lives in ways that I'm not sure we we're right. thought but,
0: about it. But we are at least starting to bubble up some examples of where it's raising the awareness that we need to be careful about how how we use, we the use technology. Like you mentioned the the legal framework. I mean, there's a there's a case, and it's I think it's pretty well documented about an attorney that um, basically wrote their brief yeah. off of uh, ChatGPT Chat G- and it cited cases that didn't exist. And then the other side was trying to figure out, what are these cases? We can't find <laughs> Where did buy they it come from? Well, any but that's Sanjeev's it. point, right? If they're able double, to come down, GPT double on GPT actually built out the cases. Oh, gosh. So yeah. then, of course, you know, eventually got caught. But the point is it starts to raise the awareness of these things. I ran into another Please. example. There was a presentation I gave recently to a group of, um, a group of, um, Folks that work with institutional investors, and it's the you know it's the investor relations groups. And one of the things that I discovered was that they were using ChatGPT to create drafts of their financial press releases. Oh, wow! So feeding highly confidential,
2: highly regulated information into
0: ChatGPT, which could part before four of it its was
2: released. Exactly. I know, I know. Exactly. Uh, th- there's a friend of mine who's in a very senior position he has to build these charts so he literally takes sensitive data and he puts it into chat gpt and he says okay draw me uh, grass and powerpoint uh, deck material uh, it calls matplotlib and all of these things and he knows he's he's not uh, supposed to do that but he does it because uh, he's so much more productive of course in a short amount of time but i just want to say the one thing about that that New York attorney who uh, presented these fictitious things, we we this is not an issue of ethics. This isn't this is stupidity. What I mean by that no, 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 let, let me let me finish. Because what, what I mean by this is is that there's a reason why we are calling this technology co pilot. You are the pilot. You are you have the wisdom the LLM has spent all night or twelve days learning everything on the internet, but it, it doesn't really know. It doesn't even know what a legal case is. It's yeah,
0: I know you're you're right on. You're right. Yeah. It is a copilot, and I think that's a that's a brilliant way to think about it. What I was going to say is that I think it's more about education. I, I was going to go. Right I think there. it's I think it's 100%. more about we have to educate people to understand yeah, that. To your point. These are co-pilots. They're meant to assist, but it's not without yeah. risks, right? And you yeah. need to be knowledgeable need to be in
1: about the risk I mean, and rewards. It goes back to, you know, educating folks on don't open attachments back in the email days. I mean, it's, we, it's got to still, really, it still do it though, but it's it's similar, especially if it's a free brownie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're, we're coming down to the wire here, but I, I want to hone in on a, a little more when it when it comes to what we think we're going to hear this week what do you think we're going to hear this week from Amazon around Gen AI? I mean, if we look at some of the other competitors, I mean, because their conferences are now in the past. We've seen yeah. right of what Microsoft and Google have announced. Yep. What do we think we're going to hear this week? I, um, I wouldn't
2: be surprised the, the, if we see... AI embedded in the entire portfolio of AWS, just like Google did with DoIt AI, and then Microsoft a few days ago did with Violet, Yeah, I think we're going to see the same thing uh, with AWS.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. And maybe to take that a step further, I think we'll also see Amazon start to talk more about not just the builder, but the operator and the user mm-hmm. and how these tools get exposed yeah. to those folks. We've seen inklings of that over the last few years. Uh, From Amazon, I think we'll see that in spades over this coming week. Um, And I do think it also echoes how users are starting to consume Gen AI. They're not using it as a separate tool per se, but starting to look at ways to use it as an embedded function within their existing Mm -hmm. enterprise software product. Love that.
1: The last question I have for you, (laughs) multi-cloud is inevitable. Uh, and (laughs) to think about that. It's it's inevitable with AI, right? So. Tim, we're going to start with you and then Sanjeev, and and I'll wrap it up because, again, we're kind of out of time. I wish I could talk to you for another three hours. But how's multi-cloud going to come into this? How are these AIs going to integrate, talk to each other, work with each other? How are some of the providers going to overcome this inability to accept Maybe multi-cloud sometimes.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'll make the statement and this statement applies in so many different ways in technology and beyond. Diversity is a strength, not a weakness. Hmm. Diversity is a strength, not a weakness. And so I think for Amazon and others, they have to find ways to work together because the enterprise needs that. We need to be able to use these different tools. They're different. I agree. And each company has a different way of operating. That's part of what makes us unique as enterprises is I have something that's slightly different than you. And I have slightly di- something slightly different from you, right? And so that's my secret sauce is how I put those different tools together. I can't just live within one ecosystem. I agree. You know, and that's actually an unhealthy way to look at it. There might be a predominant one that I'm building my organization around, my expertise around, my architecture around, but I need to be able to bring these in. And so I think coopetition so is something that we've heard a lot about. I think we'll see a lot more around co-innovation too, especially across providers. Like we heard it just recently, just uh, earlier today, you know, with between IBM and Juniper, AWS. Yeah, that's right. right. IBM and AWS. There are two bedfellows that. You would, yeah, I would have thought yeah, I agree, Got 100%. Yeah. But that's the reality of, yeah. w- of where we are today, and both companies will Correct. benefit from that relationship, yeah. and that means the customers
2: will benefit. That, I agree with that. Sanjeev, what do you think? Yeah. You, you talk I, a lot about ecosystems. So e- yes, in your, fact, ecosystem integration is such an important component for, for me to choose the right Gen AI strategy, because, uh, and that includes things like... Uh, AWS may have its own models, but what if I want to use Llama 2 from, from Meta, Facebook, or I want to use something from Hugging Face? So what if I want to use a different uh, tooling to bring my data in like an ETL kind of uh, equivalent, you know? So, so that... Uh, uh, and AWS actually is very interesting because when AWS became so big so fast that they carved out a very sort of a solo position, and in fact, you could even talk about multi-cloud uh, at this conference uh, till a couple of years ago, right? That's
0: right.
2: Yeah. No, out. I remember
0: he there was an analyst summit. Uh, Edward. And yeah. No, the, one of the analysts asked Jassy at the time about multi-cloud, and well. he had an answer about it. But, you know, at that time, I mean, to be fair, everybody was focused on their own ecos That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's right. You know, so, Correct. of course, you expected that. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think we're living in exciting times. I think AI has really empowered the business. Yeah. The first time, in my opinion, um, we're seeing business and technology be, becoming indistinguishable. Business folks are actually able to use the technology to, to, to get value out of it like we've never seen. Mm-hmm. So I hope we can, we can bring AI to a point where it benefits us, it benefits humanity, it helps us advance and you know not contribute to anything else. Tim Sanjeev, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I I love chatting with you both. Um, we're gonna have to do this again, maybe a few months into twenty twenty four, to see how things are are shaping up and you know, looking back at now all of the twenty twenty three stuff, how it um how it kinda happened, but I wanna thank you both for joining me today. Thank, thank you so much. All right, thank you. We'll see you guys soon. See you. All right. Bye.